We could subtitle this study, Why Jesus Christ is Superior to the Old Testament Priesthood. Why he's superior. The book of Hebrews was written to Christian Jews. It's written to Jewish people who became Christian and are thinking of going back to the Old Testament. They're thinking of going back to the practices of the Old Testament. Again, the subtitle of our study is Why Jesus Christ is Superior to the Old Testament Priesthood. There's three truths that God wants us to take away from this study today. Number one, Jesus Christ came to bring a new and better covenant. He's the perfect high priest and the perfect substitutionary sacrifice. In the Old Testament system, priests would have to offer sacrifice for their own sins. They would, the, even the high priest would offer sacrifices for his own sins, the sins of other priests, and then the sins of the entire nation of Israel. So imagine that. You have imperfect people trying to make imperfect people perfect. It's not going to work. Only what's perfect can make the imperfect perfect. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He did not have to offer up any sacrifice for his own sins. Because he was sinless, and he's the perfect representation, icon, image of God. He did not have to offer up any sacrifices for his own sins. So it's easy to see there that you have this Levitical priest system where they would go to offer animals for the sins of the people and themselves. Jesus Christ doesn't have to offer sins for himself. He's sinless. He lived a perfect life. The second point of this new and better covenant and our beloved and perfect high priest, Jesus Christ, is that the old system, the Levitical system, could not clean the conscience In that system, your conscience is never fully clean. In a sense, it's an outward, external, almost like a ceremonial washing that's taking place. But it could not bring a clean conscience to those for whom the sacrifices were offered. In contrast, as we move to the New Testament, we move to Jesus Christ. He's come to actually clean our conscience, to wash us clean on the inside. So now we can know that we're saved people, that we, our sin is forgiven, and that we uh, are not under the law anymore, that we're under grace, and that we have eternal life. We're heirs of eternal life. Hebrews 10.1, for this reason it can never, the it here is the law, for this reason it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. This is referring to the Old Testament system. You're not going to make your conscience clean. Hebrews 9, 14. Turn there. You may just want to write these down. There's a lot of scriptures we're going to go through here today. Chapter 9, verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? There it is. The Old Testament system can't clean the conscience. Jesus Christ cleans us internally. So now... We can live lives that truly honor God and that glorify him. The Old Testament system did not have the power to do that. 
So you might be thinking, why do we need the Old Testament system? Well, that chapter 1, or I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 10 says that the Old Testament system was a shadow. It was a, in a sense, a, a forefiguring of what was to come. So let me give you a quick example. Imagine you took a light right now, and actually the people up front might be able to see this, but the light's shining on me, and you can see my shadow right here. Is my shadow me? No, it has my form, it has my outline. If you look from a side view, there's my, there's my form, my outline. This is what the Old Testament system was meant to do. It was meant to be a shadow, an outline of what the real reality would look like. So you can see from the shadow that it's my shadow, but it's not the same as me. Does that make sense? So that Old Testament system, it was to demonstrate how blood and sacrifice were going to be needed. It was pointing to Jesus Christ. What these Jewish believers were in danger of doing was they were in danger of, think of it almost as a finger pointing to Jesus Christ. And they were going to start to mistake the finger pointing to Jesus Christ for the reality of who Jesus Christ was. They were going to start they were going to go back to the shadow rather than the actual reality. Imagine if you had a shadow picture of your wife on your desk, right? Not, not a good idea. I mean it would have her form or outline, but you want the reality there. And that's what happened in the New Testament system. Jesus Christ came and now we have a sacrifice that truly God wanted all along. That's actually what the Old Testament system was pointing toward. First John 1 John 1.9, you don't have to turn there, but I would read this today in your study of Scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All sin now that we bring before God is forgiven. The Old Testament system was sins done in ignorance for the most part. So there were sins that weren't covered under that sacrificial system. All sin is covered under the New Testament. We have forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future. You have to realize that when you sin, that you're forgiven of that sin. You want to confess it to God because Jesus says we're cleansed of all unrighteousness. Okay, so that's the first truth. We have a better high priest. The Old Testament system was just a shadow of what was to come. Here's the second truth God wants us to understand. The, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is an eternal sacrifice. It's not a temporary sacrifice made by temporal priests. What do I mean by that? Anybody in here not going to die? No, you're all going to die. We all will die. And these priests that offered the animals and the offerings to God in the temple, they died as well. They were mortal men, just like us, mortal people. Jesus Christ, we know from the book of John and other places, Colossians chapter 2, he is God in the flesh. He is eternal. He does not have the faults of human men in the sense of sin and death. Because the wages of sin is death. That's why we have death in the world. We have the first death, our physical death, and then the second death will be in the lake of fire. Revelation calls that the second death. It's an eternal state of death. That's what hell is. So we are people who can say, 
that we have a priest who is eternal. He is, he is not subject to death. Now, he had to die for our sins, that's true, and that's the part that he came in a body, he came in actual flesh just like us, but you have an eternal God. So the sacrifices that were made by the priests were temporary. You would have to continue to come back and make more sacrifices. Can you imagine as you walk out of the temple, now you've just had a thought, uh-oh, you saw something, and now your thinking's not right. There's a sin right there. You've got to go back in and offer more sacrifices. Jesus Christ, he doesn't have to do that. He's offered that sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, write that down, Hebrews 7, 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. One priest dies, another priest takes his place. Now that priest dies, now another priest takes his place. We're not in a priestly system anymore. We shouldn't use the word priest. That's an old, anyone that uses the word priest, they're in an Old Testament system, and they're offering sacrifices over and over again. No, that's not correct. That's not what Scripture says. We have Jesus Christ. His office is permanent. It's eternal. It's not temporary like a human priest. Hebrews 7, 15 through 17 demonstrates this. Hebrews 7, 15 through 17. And we have a beautiful quote in this scripture from Psalm 110, verse 4, which is a Davidic psalm. You want to also mark three books to study if you're going to go to the book of Hebrews. The first is uh, Psalm 40, the second is Psalm 110, and the third is Jeremiah 31. These are important cross-references and scriptures. You always want to study. You don't want to just study one scripture, one verse. False teachers put a magnifying glass on one verse. You have to study the whole of scripture. That's how God will show you the bigger picture, and you'll understand accurately what scripture means. So again, Psalm 40, Psalm 110, Jeremiah 31. Here's what Hebrews 7, 15 through 17 says. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of the Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we don't have time to go into Melchizedek, but he's an important shadow again. He's a shadow in the Old Testament of what the high priest, Jesus Christ, will be in the New Testament, and now eternally into the future. So this is saying... That priesthood is forever. It's not a temporary priesthood. Think of all the animals that had to be sacrificed. There's reports of priests up to their knees in blood. There's a report of over a million animals in one day. Imagine if you were to walk on the street and every time you sinned, an animal has to die for your sin. That's, that's the Old Testament system. There would be a lot of carnage around. We have 7 billion people on earth. I don't know if we have enough animals. At some point, the animals would all, they'd be gone. If every sin required an animal, I mean every animal. Now, there were only certain animals that were used in the Levitical system, but imagine that. Jesus Christ has freed us from that. We don't have to, I mean, we imagine it because it, it, we want it to sort of penetrate our hearts, understand the seriousness of what sin is. That's what God was trying to show to Israel and the world. This is what sin looks like. You want to see what ugly looks like? You want to see what the wage of sin is death looks like? This is what it looks like. 
Here's the beauty. Jesus Christ, the, animal, the blood of animals cannot take away sin. Again, it's a shadow. It's a, for, a prefiguring of what's to come. God brings his son in the flesh. He has flesh and blood just like us. Now he offers his blood. Now we really have a sacrifice, human blood, that can cause the remission and forgiveness of sins. This is Leviticus 17.11. Without blood, there's no remission of sin. There cannot be without blood. Hebrews 9.12. Mark it in your Bibles. Hebrews 9.12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but only his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. There it is. The blood of a man. God becomes man, flesh and blood just like us. Now he gives the blood that will pay for all sin of all people. Wow. And God the Father accepts it. He says, this is what I've been wanting all along. The Old Testament system was, it was a trial run for the real sacrifice that was to come. Number three, Jesus Christ did it one time and he sat down forever. He did it once, one time, that's it. In the Old Testament system, animals and animals and animals had to be offered. And these were not your second-rate animals. These were your very best this is not you giving lima beans, you know, to the food pantry. This is giving caviar. You're going to give your very best. Part of Malachi is God's criticizing that the people of Israel are bringing their sick and second-rate animals before God to sacrifice. God wants your very best. You bring your best animals to God. You don't bring your worst. So there's these repeated sacrifices that have to happen. Jesus Christ sheds his blood one time. One time. There's some people out there that will tell you this is an ongoing sacrifice that's happening Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, every time communion occurs. No. Scripture says it happened once for all, for all people, one time. Once Jesus Christ offered the sacrifice, he sat down to rest. In the, in the temple, there were no seats in the temple. Why? Because the priests constantly had to be standing they had to be working. They had to be providing the sacrifices. Think of mom on Thanksgiving dinner, right? Moms are going to identify with this. You know, they're up cooking, they're serving, you know, they're clearing the table, and they're, and they're you know, now they put everything away, and you finally say, wow, mom got a chance to finally sit down. It, it denotes rest. The work was, while you're working, you're standing. Now, when you sit down, you're at rest. And we know Jesus Christ is at rest. He has a place of honor at the right hand of God where he rested. After he did that work and he sat on the cross, it's finished. He sat down and he rested. And that's where he's at right now. <laughs> Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Hear that? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has 
perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's us. One sacrifice. The cross is not reoccurring. Jesus is not up on that cross. And I remember years ago I had a cross, you know, that had the traditional, he's on the, he's not on the cross. That's why our cross is empty. He's not up there. He made that sacrifice once. God the Father has accepted it. And now he shows in every way how he's more perfect, superior, above, higher than the Old Testament system. 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. One time. Peter reiterates it. One time. That's it. It's not an ongoing sacrifice. We're not re-sacrificing Jesus when we have communion. We're not doing that. The sacrifice has been paid. We're commemorating what he did for us. That's the goal of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of everything Jesus taught. Why do we need remembrance? We're forgetful. As the book of James says, you go look in the mirror and then you walk away and you forget who you are. We need it to remind us that this system, a perfect system for the payment and remission and forgiveness of sin, Forgiveness of sin has already been done. That work is complete in Jesus Christ. What He's far superior than any <laughs> sacrificial system. God needed that system, again, as a prefiguring to show us what. So when the, the reality came, just like the shadow. So when Carl Hale steps in now, people can see, oh, yeah, that's him. That's, that's the real him, not his shadow. This is what God was trying to show the Jewish people. Unfortunately, there's still a veil over the Jewish people today. There's still a veil. When we went last year, at times I was, I was on the brink of tears at the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, just watching the Jewish people and thinking, and going to the Temple Institute and thinking, they're going to build a third temple. Do you understand this is what they're going to be doing? The goal is to go back to the old Levitical system to offer sacrifices for sin. They don't see. Don't you understand? That's why we should really rejoice. We see. It's not because we're smarter. It's not because we're better. It's not because there's something we did. It's because God had mercy on us. He gave us grace, and now we see that Jesus Christ, we can understand these truths pray for the Jewish people. They're going to have a rough week here. Rough Things are going to get rough in Israel. But the worst part is they're going to go back to the system. They're going to rebuild that temple and they're going to go back to the sacrifice of animals because they don't see. Their eyes are blinded like Paul had scales over his eyes. They don't see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the King. He's Lord. He's God. He's Creator. That's his identity. And he's many other things as well, but you have to understand those points. That's who he is. The Old Testament law was annulled when the New Testament cross was completed through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament system, no one has the power to follow the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it's always 
I always have to kind of remember I witnessed to a guy at a gas station once, and he got mad at me because I said, the Old Testament system, it doesn't work. You don't have any power to follow that. Unless you have the Spirit of God in you, you can't follow, you can't follow God's ways. He was mad at me. He drove away mad. His two sons were in a vehicle with him. But we have grace. Now we have the fruits of the Spirit. That's how we're able to act in godly ways because the fruits of the Spirit work in us. And now we can do the things God wants us to do. Whereas under the old do not do this system, it only creates sin. If you tell someone, don't drive over 55, they're going to drive over 55. (laughs) Now God empowers us. He says, do these things instead. Do these things. That's what the fruits of the Spirit are. Uh, Galatians says, against such there's no law. These are the things I want you to do. It's not the prohibition anymore. It's do these things. Allow the Spirit of God to work through you. So this is what Jesus Christ offers us now through the New Testament and through his sacrifice on the cross. Hebrews 10.1 again, having a shadow of the things to come and not the very image of the things. So rejoice today as we're going to go to communion in a little while here that we don't have to see animals bloodied and dead for our sin, that Jesus Christ did it once, that he has an eternal office that will never, ever end, and that he intercedes for sin 24-7, day after day, week after week. He's constantly in the Holy of Holies now. The, The high priest could only enter the Holy of Holies once a year. That's what Yom Kippur is. It's the Day of Atonement. So the high priest enters once a year, and he has to offer all these sins for the na- these sacrifices for the sins of the nation. Now Jesus Christ, he's in the Holy of Holies. He's constantly making intercession for us. We don't need an Old Testament system to do that for us. I'd like to finish with Jeremiah chapter 31. Remember, that's one of the three scriptures that I recommended you study today and throughout the week, Psalm 40, Psalm 110, Jeremiah 31, especially verses 31 through 33. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That's what the New Testament is. It's the, this is a promise, a prophecy that God made in Jeremiah 31. And now that promise has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. That's what's so sad about the Jewish people. Their their eyes are covered. And they have a form of godliness. I mean, they they go to the temple, and they're, they're more devout than probably any of us. But they don't have forgiveness. If you reject Jesus Christ, that's the sin against the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a terrifying expectation of judgment that you... It's... Again, I can't emphasize enough how we should pray for Israel because they're going to go back to the system. They're going to go back to the shadow. They're going to take the picture of their wife off their desk, or better yet, they're going to take the reality of a wife and they're going to put a shadow there in its place. And that's not what God intended. He wanted to show them what Jesus Christ the Messiah would do for them. So... Three things, again, I'm going to reiterate, and then we're going to move into communion here. If the men would prepare, please. 
why Jesus Christ is superior to the Old Testament priesthood and Levitical system. He is a new and better covenant, a perfect high priest and substitutionary sacrifice. Second is the sacrifice is eternal. His office is eternal. It's not a temporary offering by a temporal person. It's an eternal offering by an eternal being, God the Son. He's not just the Son of God. He's God the Son. And then finally, number three, he did it once and he sat down and he rested. Just like God on the seventh day, he sat down and he rested. He rested. Rest denotes the work has been completed. It's all done. Just like creation was complete and then God rested, Jesus Christ did this work on the cross and then he rested. It demonstrates that the work is complete. Realize this, we have rest. We have rest. Because God has rest and he's completed the work through Jesus Christ, the Son, now we have rest. We can rest in knowing the, the truth of faith that Abraham believed God, and it, was, and it was God put it on his account that he was a righteous man by faith. You might want to go to the Hall of Faith, you know, in Hebrews 11, and look at the different ways that people have exhibited faith, but salvation comes through faith. You're putting your faith in this system, what Jesus Christ did. You're putting your full faith in it. Your very life and death are based on this. There's nothing else that we need to add. There's nothing we can subtract. This is the perfect system that God put into place. When we go to communion here in a moment, what we're doing is we're using bread as a symbol of his body and then you know, we use grape juice. Some people use wine. That's fine either way, but we're using it as a symbol of his blood. Remember Leviticus 17.11, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That's why works don't, works don't, they won't cut it. God, if sin causes death, God wants a death to pay for that. Think of it as kind of like eye for eye. I mean, it's equivalence. God requires a death. If, if sin causes death and sin brings death, you have to have a death. We only need one, but it has to be a perfect spotless lamb, and that's who Jesus Christ is. So let's, let's pray as we go into communion now, Lord's Supper. Dear Father in heaven, Abba Daddy, thank you for this perfect system that's superior in every way, a system now that's eternal. Jesus Christ is in the Holy of Holies. He's in the Holy of Holies, and he, he doesn't come in once a year. He's there eternally. He's paid the penalty. When you get a bill that says paid in full, what do you owe? You owe nothing. It's been paid in full. We have a credit balance on our account. I pray for every person this week that they recognize that. Go out and plant seeds. Share it with somebody. I don't think we think about hell enough. I don't think we think about the lake of fire enough. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, they're the pattern. That's the shadow. 
in the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah are the shadow of what's to come for those who die without Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, Lord God, help us this week to not only rest and to praise and rejoice in what you've done for us, but to reach out to someone else so that we can see them have rest and eternal life and joy and peace. We know it's not just in the next world. You give us a down payment and joy here. Philippians, you do, and Ephesians. We, we have joy here because of what you've done. So we thank you, Lord, for your word, again, that's so clear. There's, the people that obfuscate Scripture, I think many of them, they just don't have your spirit, Lord, because the Holy Spirit makes us clear what Scripture says. Again, that doesn't mean there aren't difficult passages in Scripture, but there's, we don't want to be people that are perverse and we change Scripture and we subjugate Scripture to our own doctrine and our own tra- tradition that aren't biblical. Lord, as the men come forward here, we just pray now, Lord, that we would use this time to really reflect on our lives and meditate on what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.